Thank you so much for joining us this morning as we celebrate. Uh, if you have children that are headed down to um, Children's Church, they can dismiss out the back uh, with Miss Melody. Uh, if your children are staying with us, um, there are activities on that back table. They are free to grab and take to their seat. Um, there's also a children's sermon notes designed for the sermon, designed for them on the back table uh, that they can grab and use as well. Uh, well, again, thank you for joining us uh, as we take time to celebrate God's goodness and his faithfulness over these uh, past five years in the life of our church. Um, as we begin, I do want to say thank you and acknowledge a couple of people that have come and joined us from our state convention. Uh, Quinn and his wife, Beth, are down here in the front row. Uh, Quinn is the executive director of our state convention, and he and Beth uh, have been an incredible encouragement, support, and uh, prayer supporter of our church for years, so make sure and say hi to them at some point. And then Don uh, Waylon is here as well. Uh, Don was here a couple weeks ago and shared, uh, shared uh, God's word with you, uh, but he is the church planting director, I don't know, that's, that's what you are, uh, for our state convention. Uh, and Don has been with us from the very beginning. Don is someone that has been uh, strategizing and praying over this city and this building long before I had ever heard of Green River. Um, and so we're just so thankful uh, for him and for uh, both of these couples that have joined us. And so uh, make sure and say hi to them uh, before we're done. Uh, but today we're going to continue in our series that we've titled The Exodus. And we're going to pick up in Joshua chapter 4. And we are going to celebrate and remember God's faithfulness alongside the Israelites. If you weren't with us last week, we saw God uh, do the amazing um, as he stopped the Jordan River. And the whole of the nation uh, crossed over the river on dry land. As I said last week, I think Joshua chapter 3 might be my favorite narrative in all of the Old Testament. And I just think it's so applicable to our lives. And so if you missed that sermon, I would encourage you to go back uh, and listen to it. It's even better on YouTube because the video froze, so you, just, you don't have to look at me. So it's a beautiful thing. So go back and check that out. Uh, but for today, we're going to read right now. We're just going to read all of Joshua chapter 4. And then we're going to spend some time uh, looking at why it is so important that we pause and give thanks and remember God's faithfulness. So we're in Joshua chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It reads, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had pointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are still there to this day. Now the priest who carried the Ark remained in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over. And as soon as all of them crossed, the ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, ready for battle, in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. 
about 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the eyes of all of Israel, and they stood in awe of him all the days of his life, just as they had stood in awe of Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant Law to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest, Come up out of the Jordan. And the priest came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set foot on dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from Joshua and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Lord, we thank you for this journey we have been on uh, with the Israelites and how we have seen you move in mighty ways as you took them from bondage and captivity in Egypt to now uh, stepping foot in the promised land. God, we thank you for your command and your call to remember and to reflect and to give thanks for who you are. God, we thank you that uh, you know us as people and you know how prone we are to forget, how prone we are to wander, how prone we are to fear and worry. Uh, God, you have commanded us to pause and to rest and to give thanks. So, God, I pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds to where we need to change today. Lord, that you would give us a few moments to pause and to give thanks. And, God, that we pray that that would encourage us as you call us forward. God, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. So I think that the thing we see, perhaps the, the, the thing we see that is most evident in this passage is that God is intentional and he commands the people to rest and to remember his faithfulness. This call to remember isn't just great leadership by Joshua, but it comes at the command, the instruction of God. This isn't a one-time thing in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, from the very beginning, God commanded his people to pause, to rest, and to remember his faithfulness, his goodness, and his love. So that's our first point today. God commands us to rest and remember. From the very beginning, God himself models this for us. In Genesis, he creates the universe in six days, and then on the seventh day, what does he, what does he do? He surveys creation. He says that it is good, and he rests. Does God need to rest on the seventh day? Of course not. But God models the rest and reflection we all need in our lives. When God gives the Ten Commandments, one of the commands he gives is to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Meaning one day a week, God calls his people to rest and to worship and to remember him. God commands and he knows that we need regular time to rest, to step away from the world and remember him, his works, his love, his goodness, and his faithfulness. This rest and remembrance, it reorients our lives around him. It prepares our hearts for the week to come. It reminds us of his past faithfulness. It reminds us of our salvation and our identity in him. And it calls us to press on in his mission and his plans for our life. And then in addition to regular rest and remembrance, God calls us to special times, to set aside specific times where we celebrate, worship, and remember God's goodness and faithfulness. 
This isn't the only physical uh, monument that they're called to build. In Genesis 28, Jacob, after receiving a vision from the Lord, sets up a stone as a monument to remember God's faithfulness then and for the people to remember his fulfillment of his promise in the future. There were also feasts and celebrations where the people celebrated Passover. They celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles and Purim. They took time to remember God's past faithfulness. But also during those times, they looked forward to his future promises, his future deliverance, the future Messiah. And we have some of those special, specific times in our calendar as well, don't we? Every year, we take time at Christmas to celebrate the birth of the Savior. Then every spring at Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate the life and forgiveness available through his resurrection. And we celebrate the future deliverance and eternal life that has been promised to us because of his resurrection. And then God has placed two special, like those physical times of remembrance into the life of the church. We take the Lord's Supper or communion. And during that time, we physically take the bread and the juice as a remembrance of the death that Jesus paid in our place. And we celebrate his death and his resurrection and the forgiveness we have experienced through it. Then we have the ordinance or the command or the remembrance of God's faithfulness in baptism. Baptism is one of those monuments, those cornerstones, those physical remembrances in our lives. Baptism doesn't save us, but it is a physical event, a physical representation of what God has already done in our hearts. And it proclaims to the world that we have been forgiven and we are followers of Jesus. It's a physical event that God has put in our life that he has commanded us to that has reminded us of what God has done. So God calls us to rest and remember both in the regular and the weekly. And then he calls us to rest and remember during these special times and special events. And today is one of those special events. It's not necessarily commanded by God in the Bible, but it is a special day, a special birthday in the life of a church that gives us the moment to pause, to reflect, to give thanks, to remember, and then to look forward knowing that God always keeps his promises. And I think God commands us to rest. I think he commands us to remember, to give thanks, because we are naturally not very good at it, are we? It is our tendency to get so wrapped up in life, so busy, so preoccupied with what's next, that we forget to remember what God has already done. We forget to remember who he is, and we forget to remember what he promises us over our future. And so that's our next point. We must be intentional to rest and remember I think I changed our title to We Must Pause to Remember, but my original was We Must Remember to Remember. We must be intentional in the regular, the weekly rest and remembrance. We must take time to pause and remember those special occasions as well. Think about the Israelites in this story. Think about what is going on in their lives in this moment. Think about the busyness of the moment in which they're called to rest. Think about the overwhelming nature of their future, and yet they're called to rest. At this point, scholars estimate there are between 1 and 2 million Israelites that crossed the river that day. Just try and imagine the stress of crossing the river with your family on that occasion. Crossing the river with your children, with your grandchildren, with your nieces and your nephews. Right? They crossed with their entire extended family, making sure not to lose any stragglers along the way. And that's stressful enough, but they also crossed with all of their material possessions, as well as with all of their livestock. I mean, this was a task that they underwent this day. And then, yes, God dried up the river. That was a miracle, but it still took faith to cross that river, trusting that God was going to hold back that wall of water. It took energy still to cross that river. Scholars say at flood stage, the Jordan River could be up to a mile wide and could be up to 150 feet deep in places. 
So this would have not only been a stressful and emotional and spiritually draining day, but this would have been a physically exhausting day as well. And then remember, they picked up stones from the middle of the river. That would express to me that this wasn't just a walk on the beach, but it was a walk over uneven ground. This was a great day in the life of the Israelites, but it was also a long day. And then remember, what waits for them on the other side of the bank? What waits for them when they cross the Jordan? What waits for them is the city of Jericho, which we saw two weeks ago. A large, heavily fortified city that does not want them there on their land. I'm sure that there was fear and anxiety as they looked forward to the future. I mean, just think about it. 40,000 of them crossed armed and ready for battle. They knew what waited on the other side. And yet in the midst of all of that, God calls on them to do what? He calls on them to pause, to remember, to give thanks, to reflect on who he is. I would guess that wasn't the natural response of the people that day. The natural response was exhaustion. It was fear. It was anxiety and stress as they processed the day and looked forward to the future. And yet God calls on them to pause, to remember, to celebrate in remembrance of the past, but also to prepare them for the future. And we are the same way, pausing, reflecting, remembering, and giving thanks is not our natural inclination in this world. Yet God has called us to it, and so we must be intentional to pause and remember. Life is challenging. The days are hard. Fear fills our news feed in our world. The future often feels uncertain, and there are always challenges that await. I don't know about you, but my inclination at least is not to pause and remember God's faithfulness. But instead, my inclination is to press forward. It's to make a way forward in my own strength. It is to worry. It is to grumble about what has happened and what lies ahead. And that's why days like this are so important. It's an opportunity to pause from the normal routine, to remember God's faithfulness, to give thanks and to trust his presence, his faithfulness, his guidance, his promises as we move forward as individuals and as a church. Max Anders writes in his commentary on Joshua, he says, Our ministry accomplishments are our monument. They symbolize God's work for his people and through his people. And so we don't pause and celebrate today to celebrate people, but we celebrate what God has done through his church, for his church, and for his people. We celebrate God's faithfulness and the life change he has produced through his church. And we celebrate and we look forward to what God will do in the future. So God calls us to rest and remember, but we must be intentional. We must prioritize in our lives on a regular weekly basis, but also on special and specific times. But why? Well, I love this passage because within it we see the why. And I think the first why we see in this passage is this, and that is that when we pause, when we remember, it encourages us for future battles. When we remember God's past faithfulness, it encourages us, it prepares us for future battles. 40,000 men crossed the Jordan ready, uh, ready and prepared to fight the next battle. The Israelites were under man. They were entering the promised land from a position of military weakness. Uh, they didn't have the greatest technology and weapons, but they had the Lord. I might have forgot that point on there. Sorry, Tyson. Uh, but if they were to just look at the battles, just focus on the battles, then they would be filled with fear and trepidation. But when they took time to remember God's promises, to remember that he was a God that could part seas, that he was a God that could provide uh, uh, food out of nothing, that he was present and that he was for them, then they were strengthened and encouraged for the battles that lie ahead. Throughout their journey in the promised land, there will be times that they trust God and they will enjoy incredible victories at his hands. 
But there's also going to be times that they don't trust God, and they try to win the victory on their own, and during those times they will experience bitter defeat. As a church and as individuals, we celebrate and we remember God's faithfulness, His goodness, His promises today because we know, we know that the future is going to come with challenges and battles. But if we remind ourselves that God could be faithful in the past five years, that he has been faithful in our past life, then we can trust that he can certainly and he will certainly be faithful in the future. I think about our church. In the, in the past five years, we have seen God, as we saw in that video, provide out of nowhere. We've seen him resurrect the dead and failing building. We have seen him faithful through a pandemic. We have seen him provide when leaders and people moved away. We've seen him unify in the midst of conflict and attack. We have seen him save those that were lost. We have seen him give life to those that were dead. We have seen him reveal himself and love those that felt unlovable. We have seen him show his love to our community. God has proven good and faithful these past five years. And because of that, we can trust him no matter what comes in the next five years. Because of his past faithfulness, we can trust him that when the next battle rises, the next transition or change comes, when hardship strikes, when challenge comes, when our government changes hands, God is the rock of ages. He has proven himself faithful. And because of that, he is trustworthy in the next battle, in the next challenge. That applies to your life as well. When you take time to reflect on God's past faithfulness, then you can trust him. You can be encouraged when the next battle the next challenge, the next change or transition arises. The next point we have, and it kind of goes along with this, and you've seen it up there, but is this. When we remember, it encourages us against discouragement. As we've seen over and over the past few months, the Israelites were a fickle, fickle people. They were prone to forgetting. They were prone to discouragement. They were prone to grumbling just like us. In a few chapters, they're going to forget God's commands. They're going to forget his promises, and they're going to face defeat. And we think, how can you cross a river on dry ground and then forget of God's power, might, and presence? We are the same way. If we are not intentional, we too forget the good things. We forget the blessings, and we focus on the problem and on the negative. In the Psalms, the writers, especially David, they regularly face discouragement. They regularly face long odds and disappointment. And over and over, they don't just pretend that those things aren't real, but they talk about the hurt they're feeling. They talk about their disappointment, their discouragement, and then they transition and they remember who God is. They remember his promises, his presence, and his truth. Perhaps the best example of this is Psalm 22. In Psalm 22, David spends the first half of the psalm in anguish. He spends it in hurt. He spends it in frustration. He spends it maybe in a little bit of exaggeration of what he's walking through. The man is discouraged and feeling hopeless. But then he spends the second half of the psalm remembering who God is, remembering his past faithfulness, remembering his power, his might, and his promises. And then he walks forward to face another day trusting in who God is. When we pause and remember who God is, it encourages us and gives us hope in the midst of discouragement. Real practically, we do this by just remembering God's faithfulness in our life. Maybe making a list of the blessings that God has bestowed upon you. We do this by reading the Bible and remembering his promises and remembering who God says we are in him. We do this by coming to church and, and being encouraged through song, through the spoken word, and by the people that know us and love us and love God. 
I don't know about you, but often when you are feeling, uh, this is me, but often when you're feeling discouraged, you just want to bunker down in your house and to focus on the problem, the discouragement. But God calls us, he leads us to get up, to remember his faithfulness, to read his word, and to gather with his people. So when we remember, we are encouraged in the midst of discouragement. The next point we see, it's in, the, it's in here twice. It's in verse 6 and then in, again in verse 21. So we're going to read starting in verse 21. It says, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their parents, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. So the point is right there, but it's so important. It's simply this. When we remember, we share God with the next generation. If we want the next generation, if we want our children and grandchildren to know God, to love God, and to follow God, then we must tell them who he is. We must tell them stories of his faithfulness. We must tell them of his love and his goodness. We must pause and remember and tell those stories to the next generation. Anders writes in his commentary, they were commanded to tell their children not only what had happened, but why it had happened. Not just why are there stones here, but what do they mean? He said those children may never have gone back to the Red Sea to be the side of the crossing of that body of water. But now the land which belonged to Israel provided an opportunity to actually make a journey to this famous national monument and to remember and hear what God has done. Ronald Reagan famously said, freedom is always but a generation away from extinction. In the same way, faith is always but a generation from extinction in our families. If we are not intentional to remember, to reflect on God's goodness and share that with our children, then we are raising a generation that will not know God's love, that will not know his goodness and will not know his faithfulness. This past week I read an article. It was titled, simply this, it was titled, Parents Just Go to Church. And the point of the article wasn't an effort to boost church attendance, but the author made the point that there is no greater way to pass on your faith to the next generation, to your children, than going to church. Going to church, regular remembrance is the best way to illustrate your, to your children the importance of God, and to prepare for the week ahead, and to teach them of God's faithfulness and love. The author shares that it is hard, <laughs> and we know that's true. I mean, I have three kids. Most of you have met my three kids. One of them ran up the aisle, right? My three kids have a lot of energy, and on most Sundays, I need a nap before Sunday morning even starts, right? But that regular remembrance and that prioritizing of God in our families, as, as God commanded us to, speaks volumes to our children, and to the next generation. Regularly remember God in your homes and celebrate and remember him during those special seasons of the year. But as I think about our church, I think this point resonates not just in terms of the next generation in age, but the next generation in, in, in members of our church. Right? There's just a small handful of us that were here five years ago. There's just a handful of us that were here four years ago. There's just a handful of us that were here pre-COVID. But God has done a work. He has been good and faithful to our church. And it's important that we remember and celebrate that and that we share the stories of his goodness to the next generation so they too may know and be encouraged by God's goodness and faithfulness. That they might know that God did a good work in the past five years and because of that we can trust him to do a good work in the next five. Again, this is not to celebrate the people but to celebrate God and to be strengthened for what lies ahead. So remember, remembering God's faithfulness encourages us to pass on his love, his faithfulness, his goodness, and our faith to the next generation. 
but it also calls us to encourages us to pass our faith and his stories to others outside our faith. Look at verse 24. It reads, He, God, did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. This monument was not just to display God's love and power to the Israelites. It wasn't just to display his love to the next generation of Israelites, but it was so that all the people of the earth might know God and know his power. In the same way we have been saved, we have experienced God's power and grace, not just for ourselves, not just for our families, but so that we might go and make his name known to all people wherever we go. And when we remember, when we worship, when we celebrate who God is, it should encourage us to follow his command and share his good news, his hope, his life with others. That's our next point. When we remember, we are encouraged to share God with others. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, reads, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus was. Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw them, they worshipped him. They remembered him. But it says some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God has saved us not just for us, but he has saved us with the purpose of making him known and sharing his good news with all that we meet. We have been saved. We have been loved. We have been given freedom and eternal life. When we pause and when we remember that, when we remember God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives, in our families' lives, it should lead us to share that hope and that good news with others. Others that the Bible says are slaves to their sin and destined to hell. We have hope. We have life. We know the way to eternal life if we are followers of Jesus. As we reflect, as we remember that, it should lead us to share that same hope with others. So when we remember the gospel, we remember God's love and forgiveness in our lives, it should lead us to share it with others. After all, our story, our eternity would be no different if someone hadn't shared the hope of Jesus with us. All right, final point. Schaefer writes in his commentary on Joshua. He says, as we see what happened in Joshua's day, we can take heart in the midst of our struggles. The God who kept his oath and promise to the children of Israel at that traumatic moment of their walking over the Jordan and entering the land, he will surely keep his word to the very end. As Bunyan's pilgrim crossed another river, the river of death, the oath and promises of God gave the absolute assurance. Not only in the river of death, but in the whole of life, we can count on God to keep his living promises. And so when we take time to pause and remember God's faithfulness in the Bible, when we take time to pause and remember God's faithfulness in our lives, we are reminded that God is indeed a promise keeper and that all of his promises are yes in him. And this means that we can walk forward in absolute confidence as followers of Jesus because our eternity, our future is secure in him. And so that's our final point. When we remember God's faithfulness, we are reminded of God's ultimate deliverance. God has called us to re regularly remember through weekly worship and to take special, specific times in life to remember his goodness and his faithfulness. And when we do that, we are reminded that he is good and he is faithful, that we are forgiven, that we are loved, that we are called his son or his daughter, and that our eternity is secure in heaven. 
ultimate deliverance awaits for followers of Jesus. And there is no greater promise and no greater hope than that. So as we respond, as we reflect on God's word, where are you today? I mean, you're obviously here and we're, we're thankful for that. But what is God doing in your heart today? What is he perhaps reminding you of today? What of God's character is he revealing to you today? Or what is he calling you to remember and reflect on as you look ahead to what lies ahead this week or this month or this next year? For you, maybe in your remembrance today, he is calling you to trust him for the first time. That's something you can come and talk to me afterwards. You, the Bible says you can pray in your seat. The Bible says you confess in your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and you believe that he rose from the grave and you will be saved. So maybe he's calling you to trust him for the first time. Maybe you've chosen to follow him, but you've never made that declaration, that public declaration through baptism. Maybe God is calling you to take that first physical step and say, I am a follower of Jesus, and I will declare that to the world. That's you come and talk with me or write on your welcome card, and we'll make that happen. Maybe he's encouraging you or calling you to make regular or intentional remembrance a part of your life. Maybe you need to make a new commitment to, to regularly remember him through church or to take a day of rest in your week. Maybe you start, start reading the Bible regularly or attending small group Bible study. What is he calling you to do? Maybe you're just in the midst of discouragement today. Maybe you're discouraged about that next battle or what the battle you're walking through today. And you just need to rest in his promises in the midst of it. Maybe he's calling you to intentionally share your faith. Share his promises and prioritize that with the next generation, with your family, and maybe with a neighbor or friend. Well, what is God calling you to today? So at this point, we're just going to take a moment to respond. And we're just going to give you a few moments to rest and to remember God's faithfulness. Emily's going to come and play, and she's going to play for us for four or five minutes. And we're just going to take some time. Uh, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. But I, I would really encourage you over the next couple of minutes to just take a moment and reflect and remember God's goodness and faithfulness in your life. Underneath your seat, of everyone's seat, there should be a piece of paper that looks like that. Uh, and so I would just encourage you to write down some ways on here that God has been faithful and good to you. Um, it's my hope and my prayer that, that hopefully Living Hope has been a part of that. And so on here, you can share things, write down memories or ways God has been faithful in your life. Or you can write down ways that God has been faithful to your life through the church. And if you want to do that, we're going to have a table at the potluck where we're just going to leave some of these letters out where people can read and reflect on God's goodness through our church. But as Emily plays, I'd encourage you just to sit and to take a few moments just to write down and remember all of the ways God has been faithful in your life. And my prayer is that as you do that, you will be strengthened, you will be encouraged, and you'll be encouraged for what lies ahead. So I'm going to pray for us, and as I pray, Emily will play, and then uh, I'll come back and uh, close us out again. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are worthy of worship and that you are good. God, we thank you that you have commanded us to rest and to remember. God, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are good, that you love us, that your promises are yes. And God, I pray over these next couple of moments that you would bring memories and times to our life where you have been faithful, where you have been good. God, I pray that as we rest and as we remember and as we give thanks for those times, Lord, you would use them to strengthen us for what lies ahead. God, we thank you specifically today for your goodness and your faithfulness to our church. We thank you how you have shown yourself in mighty ways.
We thank you that you have been good and faithful. God, we thank you that you have used this church to change lives, to save souls. God, we pray that you will continue to do that into the future. So God, over these next few moments, God, help us to remember, bring tangible things to our minds as we reflect and remember your faithfulness. And may you use it to strengthen us. In your name we pray, amen. to close you can continue to work on that and continue to write uh but i mentioned don whalen don has been with us from the very beginning and and been a part of this journey so i asked him as we close today just to come and just to share uh, a couple minutes of i don't know whatever he's seen or whatever he thought was important uh, and then i've asked him also just to pray for our church um, as we move forward in these next five years Chris, you got a mic for you great boy what a great morning amen just remembering all that God has done and in our midst over the last few years. And, uh, you know, as we celebrate a birthday, uh, that, that's a celebration of a new beginning. And we have moved five years beyond the new beginning at this point. 
but, but God has been incredible in uh, his blessing during that time. I, I love the, the, the slideshow here a little bit ago. Uh, I'd almost forgotten the black and white tile at the senior center. <laughs> but uh, so many great memories of how God is working among his people. And, and as we think of Living Hope, we, we know God has blessed us with a great building. What a wonderful tool uh, to use for the kingdom of God, an opportunity to come and worship. Uh, but really, Living Hope isn't this building. And, and it's not a service that we come to every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. Living Hope is really you. It's the people, the people of God, men and women, young people who have encountered the risen Lord and in that encounter have discovered his love and his goodness, his mercy, and, and, and his amazing saving grace. And as we celebrate Living Hope, we celebrate how God has been at work over the last few years right here in our midst. Uh, as we gather together in worship, as we pour over the word of God and learn and grow and mature in Christ, uh, God has, has blessed every one of our lives. I'd love to be able to read every one of your, your remembrances on your sheet of paper because I think it would be uh, very telling of, of how God has used living hope uh, to bless your life. But you know, God has called us not only to be blessed, but be a blessing. And uh, you and I, as a part of, of uh, the kingdom of God, and you as a part of Living Hope Church, really we become an intersecting point. Uh, we become that intersection between heaven and earth. And as God blesses us and, and makes incredible changes in our lives, he calls us to become a blessing uh, in the lives of others. And we begin to intersect. And as God changes us, he changes our home, doesn't he? Changes our relationships uh, in our neighborhood and relationships in the community and on the job. And, and suddenly we discover God using us to share his love, share his goodness, share his mercy. Uh, we begin to accept as he has accepted us and love as he has loved us. And, and we share the good news. And, and I, I love the message this morning and how... Uh, Rondi has called us to remember, because in remembering, uh, we celebrate what God has done, and then leave this building to go back into the community and, and share that living hope with a world that so desperately needs it. Uh, so as you celebrate, praise God, enjoy that time of celebration, and then let your spiritual stone be stacked there by the River Jordan, so that as we move forward into the future, God is glorified by the lives that are changed through the ministry of living hope. Amen? Amen. Let's bow together in prayer. Uh, God, we, we could spend time from now until eternity celebrating all that you have done for us as individuals, but even also as a church body, as a group of people called living hope. Father, as we celebrate this morning, we're just reminded time and time again how you have always been faithful. You have always been true to your promises, that we can lean into you knowing that no matter what we face, no matter what the challenges may be, uh, Lord, you are always faithful, always there, and always providing, and that, Father, we can rest in that assurance. We celebrate because of who you are and what you've done in our hearts and our lives. 
and we go out into this community to continue that celebration by sharing the hope that's found in Jesus Christ, a living hope. We pray, Father, that you would use us for your glory, and we ask it in Jesus' name. As we wrap up, um, I just have a few announcements for you. Um, um, so just a few announcements. Uh, there's no small group tonight because of the barbecue. We'll get to that announcement. Youth group kids night meet Wednesdays from 6 to 7 here at the church. Children's choir, uh, you saw pictures of children's choir. Children's choir will begin practicing Wednesday the 19th from 5 to 545 here at the church. Uh, there will then be a snack in between that and kids' night if you're staying for both. Uh, and then they plan to perform uh, in December, I believe, on the 18th. If you have questions about that, you can see Chandra and not me. Um, she's got the answers. Um, uh, and then uh, after this, so at 12 o'clock, we're going to meet down at the pavilion for a potluck fellowship luncheon. Uh, we'll have hamburgers and hot dogs. Uh, if you can bring a cider dessert, that's great. If you don't have one, no problem. I'm sure there will be plenty of food. Uh, please bring your kids. There's going to be like the tumble track. The gymnastics stuff will be out. There's going to be um, all sorts of activities for them. Have you ever been to a birthday party at the pavilion? No, that's kind of what we're throwing. So it's going to be fun. So bring kids. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll hang out there for a few hours and just uh, celebrate uh, and eat together and celebrate God's goodness. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for celebrating with us. We look forward to seeing you down there at 12. Uh, and for now, you are dismissed. Have a great day.